Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. The prophet Isaiah has some very good news. God makes a way in the wilderness. God appears and creation bursts full of life. The prophet describes a barren land, an uninhabitable land, which amazingly becomes abundantly full of vegetation, of creatures, of life. In a place where it is impossible for anything to thrive, signs of life begin to appear. God's people begin to walk a road that brings them home, home to themselves, home to God, singing and rejoicing. Now these people that Isaiah tells us about, these are people who have seen injustice. These are people who have lived in captivity as people oppressed, people who grieve a great loss. And yet God is bringing them home. People freed from their oppression And this is a joyful transformation, the prophet says, a joyful transformation of all things. Now this Advent season, we have been listening to the prophet Isaiah's words. We've been listening to recognize the impossible possibilities that God makes real. Now the prophet says again and again that God is making grace possible, even where all evidence available to us might say otherwise. God, the prophet Isaiah declares, in so many ways is cultivating hope and peace and joy in contexts where these gifts seem out of reach, just beyond grasp, might even be implausible if not impossible where it looks like there is no other way, God somehow makes a way. And it seems like the prophet's confidence in God's transformative, life-giving ways might just be the gift that people need, might just be the gift that we need when we consider our experiences when we consider all the facts of the world around us. The poet Ross Gay is one of these kinds of thinkers. He is one of those writers who is considering all the facts. He's written essays about the harrowing problems of race in America, of racism. He's written poetry about about the threads of pain that exist throughout human living. He's also written about the exceptional joy of people who come together with hope. He's written about the ways that we experience delight together. 
And often he uses the community garden that he runs to tell stories of these things. He has written, like the prophet Isaiah, about how rejoicing happens where we don't necessarily expect to find it. Now recently, Ross Gay was interviewed, and the question was put before the poet. The question was, how can we be joyful in a time like this? The question was a loaded one. The question was thinking of the divisions that exist in our world. The question was in the context of political and economic and and racial tensions and divisions that we're experiencing in America. The question is one that so many other people are asking in so many different ways. How can we be joyful in a time like this? And Ross Gay's response was, how can we not be joyful in a time like this? His answer is simultaneously simple and complex. And he followed it up saying this, joy is the labor that will make the life I want possible. It is not at all puzzling to me, he says, The joy is possible in the midst of difficulty. Like the interview, like the general malaise that people express these days, the question can really hit home. Can joy be experienced in such times as conflict or or grief or pain? Can real joy, authentic joy, be a part of our lives when we wrestle with these things? Well, this season in Advent, this church has been wrestling with such questions because when we look out at the state of the world, when we read headlines, when we look at our lives and, yes, lives around the globe, it can be harder and harder to think that God's Hope and peace and joy can be part of the qualities that define human experience. But you see, the prophet Isaiah is in the business of pointing to another reality, a reality that is expressed in Scripture, a reality that is not like the ones we make as human communities. This is the reality that God makes the impossible possible, Can it be true? Can it be true that joy is possible even in life's difficulties? Well, the church has been listening to the prophet Isaiah for quite some time, and the church has pursued God's joy in difficult times for centuries. And a clear example of this is this very Sunday in the liturgical calendar, the third Sunday in Advent, the Sunday that we call the Sunday of Joy. It is a Sunday whose theological name is Gaudate Sunday. Gaudate is a Latin word that means rejoice. So we might just call today Rejoice Sunday. To mark the day, each year we we light the pink candle in the Advent wreath to set it apart from other Sundays in Advent. 
We sing hymns of rejoicing. We pray for God's impossible joy to open to us, despite anything else that asks us to think otherwise. And in the middle of the austere season of Advent, as we wait and anticipate Christ who is coming at Christmas, and while that nativity story is, has not yet arrived, we pause on Rejoice Sunday to focus on God's gift of joy. Among the anxieties and the uncertainties that life may behold, the church and its people seek to know and recognize the joy of Christ this very day. And it is not easy because uncertainty can stop us at the threshold of rejoicing. However, joy is bigger than mere happiness. It's more than feeling good. It's more than the lights and festive gatherings of the season. Joy is when God finds us in our difficulty and lets us know that we, beyond any other circumstance, that we are loved. Now, the poet Jane Kenyon, she wrote of this kind of experience in a poem that she called happiness, but she's not really describing happiness. She's describing something far deeper, a joy that expands far beyond simple happiness. She describes joy in the middle of life's circumstances. A woman who knew great pain from cancer and grief. And in the middle of it all, she writes this poem. There's no accounting for happiness, Kenyon writes, or the way it turns up like a prodigal who has come back to the dust at your feet, having squandered a fortune far away. And how can you not forgive? You make a feast in honor of what was lost and take from its place the finest garment which you've saved for an occasion that you could not imagine. And you weep night and day to know that you were not abandoned, that you were not abandoned, that happiness saved its most extreme form for you. And we might even replace that word happiness with joy and say that joy saved its most extreme form for you. Because rather than waiting, rather than holding out for something else, we feast. We feast on joy. We feast with our families and our neighbors. We even at times feast with neighbors, even though our hearts may ache, even when we may still hurt, even when frustration may still derail some daily tasks. We feast on that gift, knowing that we are loved and taking great joy in it. For it's the love where God says, you are my beloved. You are not alone, and this joy cannot be sidelined. And We need this joy. And when we feel it, there is no betrayal in feeling that joy in our grief. Joy honors those we have returned. Joy honors the repair 
Facing injustice, joy humanizes those that would otherwise be forgotten. Where there is poverty, joy says the heart is bigger than the pocketbook. And turning to hate with joy defines people by love and grace rather than bias. And if we are making forgiveness, joy strengthens those who name the ache. In Christ, we can be surprised and we can be transformed by joy. And when we struggle to rejoice, well, the prophet has a reminder for us that it is God who creates this joy. Our joy comes from the Lord, so we say in the church, and this is demonstrated for when we struggle, even creation will rejoice, and when it does, the prophet describes it. The wilderness is glad, the desert blooms, crocuses rejoice with singing, burning sand becomes nourishing waters, And if any of us ever doubts it, and I'm sure we may at some point, if any of us ever doubts this joy, look no further than this past year's super bloom in California. Even the deserts of Southern California, across the Santa Monica Mountains, every couple years there's a bloom that happens in those California deserts. An abundance of rain in the winter, just the right conditions of temperature, humidity, brings this flourishing of flowers and plants that blankets, blankets the desert. But this year's bloom was particularly special. Some humorous folks called it the super bloom apocalypse. Photos show whole mountains, entire valleys covered in yellows and purples that are unbelievable from their normal khaki colors. And despite the harsh years of dry, hot seasons, the wilderness is glad. It rejoices. The deserts bloom with flowers that sing across those burning sands. And Henry Nouwen, a priest, a writer, a spiritual teacher, he brings this nourishment of joy in life's difficulties right back home for us. He writes that joy is essential to a spiritual life, that whatever we may think or say about God, when we are not joyful, our thoughts and words will not bear fruit. Now and writes that Jesus reveals to us God's love so that his joy may become our joy and that in our joy we may be complete. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, not sickness, not failure, not emotional distress, not oppression, war, or even death, can take that love away. Yes, there are circumstances where that joy may look impossible. If we turn inward and look to make make joy on our own in the middle of all that may hold joy back, we may struggle unless we turn to God who is making a way in that wilderness, opening a path that we may not have seen, nourishing the very deserts of our lives. 
and the impossible joy of Advent comes because of God's great, great love. That beyond all circumstances, all voices to the contrary, that God loves people, everyone. And the prophet reminds us that this joy is not just possible, but that this joy is necessary. For how can we not rejoice in times like these? The circumstances may not be ideal. We might only muster at times a hesitant joy, but the transformative power of that experience is as necessary as ever. But for the very love and power of God that sustains us in meeting them, for there in the deserts of our hearts will be blooming, and God will make a holy way for us in both the beauty and the heartache of life. So as we wait for Christ at Christmas, know that joy can make us complete. A joy that comes from God, says the prophet. May it be ours this day and always. Thanks be to God. Amen.